Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. Today, I am with with Meredith, and we're going to be talking about energy medicine for personal and global change. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we will strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to on your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zalmer. I am editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga Life Magazine and the Brain Health Magazine. Additionally, I've published four books on the topic of brain injury and concussion. I am passionate about about wellness, photography, traffic, traffic, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, our guest is Ellen Meredith, and she's the author of Your Body Will Show You the Way and The Language Your Body Speaks. She has been in practice since 1984 as an energy healer, conscious channel, and medical intuitive, helping over tens of thousands of clients and students worldwide. Energy medicine practitioner helps clients engage with the body's energies to activate healing. She teaches energy medicine courses on the Shift Network and has served on the faculty of energy medicine pioneer Donna Eden since 2010. Welcome, Ellen. I'm so so thrilled of you here. What a fun, fun topic. (laughs) Thank you, Amy. I'm really glad to speak with you today. Well, I'm so excited to chat about, you know, just energy and, you know, we all have energy, right? Like we're all made of things made of energy, really, like, really, like pen I'm holding has energy. Um, (laughs) And, you know, and I think people don't really stop to think about that. You know, we just live on autopilot and and we just through our daily motions and we don't really think about it. Right. 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 So, you know, maybe just like a brief overview of review of like, what is our energy? What are we made of? We made of work for people who maybe aren't as familiar. Okay. Well, I think that in our culture, we teach kids to think of the body as a kind of machine, right? It's this this thing that that has lots of dynamics to it that medicine knows about and we don't. And um, it's run by the brain. This is in our culture. And maybe spirit comes into that somehow. And I think that's what a lot of us grew up with is sort of seeing that separation of this machine of a body and and mind and spirit as these different things. And it's it's not correct. It's, I mean, I think we're waking up to the fact that everything is energy. Yeah. You know, it's not just yeah. science yeah. that that is showing us. I mean, spiritual traditions have known this forever. And and the energy we're made of is not like electricity. It's not like the scientific concept of energy. Because, right. you know, right. I, at least what I know about electricity, and maybe I'm wrong about that, you know, it's this stuff that's kind of inert that goes through a wire and it, it charges things. And it, it it's sort of just this um, mechanism or, or phenomenon. But the energy we're made of, which is called subtle energies, has consciousness. It has intelligence. So we are actually a matrix of consciousness. And so, you know, this body is conscious, this mind is conscious, this spirit is conscious. And in fact, it's all kind of a spectrum of our being from more concrete to to less and less 
concrete or more abstract. So when, when we say we're made of energies, I think it's easier to understand if you say you're made of consciousness, of awareness. You're a big ball of wisdom and knowing and um, energetic communications. Mm. So true. True. And yes. And, you know, I, you know, how energy can ebb and flow, right? And like, you know, just like our moods is kind of where, where I'm, what I'm trying to say is, you know, like we can be happy or we can be sad or we can be angry. Um, um, and, and, you know, I, you know, I think sometimes forget how quickly we can shift those moods by shifting our energy. Right, right. Well, I'm not the first person to say that emotion sort of stands for energy and motion. I think a lot of our moods and emotions are indicators of what's happening with our subtle energies. And that even something as simple as just a stretch or a gesture or looking at a beautiful color that you love can shift the movement of our subtle energies mm -hmm. and can, and since the subtle energies fuel the work of the body, um, moving them changes how your body functions, how your mind functions. And so I think that, again, we often feel that we're at the mercy of something in the moment. Like right now, I feel really mad and really sad. Right. And that's my whole reality. And it's like, you know, we don't do that with weather. The weather changes all the time. And if it's raining, we think, oh, well, I'll wait till it stops and then I'll go out. And I don't think we have that attitude of understanding that that the emotions, the thoughts, even the things that feel like fixed realities, they all move and change and shift. And that we need to become more skilled with change because that's 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 the constant is that there's always change. Mm, so true. Um, yes, the con constant change. <laughs> um, and, you know. I definitely have friends who are much more, more they, they, they don't change. Right. Um, where I'm usually, I can usually pretty much embrace change. Um, not always. I, ha I have moments. I have my moments. Um, but I feel like I'm a little more easy to just kind of go with the flow where there's definitely people who really do not like change, change. I'm sure, there's people listening. They're gonna be like, "Oh yeah, that's, oh yeah, that's." Um. <laughs> so, you know, do you have any advice for that for those people who are more adverse, adverse change than others? Right. Well, I think that it comes down to where you anchor your reality. If you are very anchored in outer details like what's in my bank account or, or do I have the job that defines me well enough or do I have the relationship that I feel I deserve if you have external factors anchoring you when they change as they will we get very uh unbalanced but you know you say you're really good with change and I I think I know about you that you also do a lot of yoga and other inner work and and you right. know you really focus on um, working from the inside out. And I think that we're being asked right now by the massive change on this planet to shift that focus from the outer anchors and the outer gratification and, and um, things we depend on to bringing it inside so that, um, and, and to practice moving with the changes that are there. You know, it's like really fun to play in the ocean 
if you have a boogie board or, you know, something that can help you ride the waves or you have at least a little technique of, you know, how do you jump when the wave comes at you just right so you don't get knocked to shore over and over by the waves. And I think that we all are being asked to develop that skill set, whether it's our nature or not, to go inward and work with what do I do with change? How do I react to it? How do I work with my own reactions so they don't become my whole reality? How can I focus something that anchors me in the moment through a change that's otherwise difficult? And, you know, most of your listeners, even the ones who are terrible with change, can probably think of a time where they did okay with a change because they were focused on, you know, there was a person there to help them or they were focused on a single task or mantra that got them through that moment, or they found something within the change to really aim towards and, and get excited about. So I think there's there are a million ways to address um, how to feel more comfortable with change. And I do talk about it quite a bit in my book, my new book, um, Your Body Will Show You the Way, because I think it's our new reality. I think change is our new normal. And if we don't, those of us who have this skill set, I hope everybody's sharing it with your friends and 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 um, colleagues. And those of us who don't have the skill set, it's time to develop it. Yeah, yeah. You feel pretty fortunate. Um, I was probably in my late twenties, early thirties when I first. Well, I first discovered yoga in college. So college. So early twenties. But it wasn't until I was a little bit older that I, I, you know, I only knew yoga as, uh, as, as an extra, an exercise. Um, and then it was later when I learned, you know, the other components of yoga, right. The, the inner work and the outer work. And I, you know, I feel really fortunate that I did a lot of work with that and, um, you know, it, it, it just kind of helps set me up for, up for life, so to speak. And, right. you know, right. you know, it's something that should be taught in school, um, yeah. Yeah. you know, like this coping skill. And I know there's a lot of people out there who think, think it's all a woo woo and hogwash, uh -huh. Uh -huh. Um, you know, and I also see the power of raising our vibration to, to raise everybody's vibration, right? Like, yes. like it's contagious. Yes. You know, I remember uh -huh. going to work and, and if people were being in a bad mood and I came in in a good mood, it, it tended to help people bring up their mood, right? right. Um, it's right. contagious and, it's and, contagious. and negativity, but <laughs> right, right. And the thing, I mean, the thing I, I love yoga, I'm not very good at it, but the thing that some people are challenged by with yoga is it's a specific set of exercises that that both are easy to master and hard to master. I mean, you can maybe get the general gist of one of an exercise right away, but it takes a while to get a lot of benefit and really know know how to do it in a deep way. And I think people are put off with having to learn this set of things that aren't natural to them. You know, or they think there aren't. And so one of the things that, that I look at in both of my books, but particularly, well, both books, um, The Language Your Body Speaks and then Your Body Will Show You the Way, is what is the language of energy that we all spoke as infants, that we were fluent in when we were infants, and we know how to speak it 
<clears throat> but we've forgotten. Our culture has taught us to, to shift to verbal language and working from the head up and all of that. So how do we get access back to the kind of energy communications that don't need to be learned out there as a system or as an exercise program, but just even gesture, you take gesture. Now, if I put my hands on both sides of my face, I can console myself really easily. And any mother knows that, you know, any mother knows, you know, 10, 20 ways to console her child, right? And and if we stop and think, we all can probably think of at least five ways to console someone, particularly a dog or cat, if we can't get all the way to people. <laughs> but I think that um, we need to reclaim that language rather than, um, and not rather than turning to things like yoga, but not beating ourselves up if yoga isn't the configuration of it, of energy work that works for us. Can we bring it back to what we're already doing every day? I mean, if I ask your listeners, you know, what color makes you happy and what color drags you down, everybody might have a different answer, but they all, most of them will have an answer. That's immediate. You don't have to, you know, you don't have to strain muscles to do that. And of course, we want to use our muscles. We want to use our body in many, many ways. So, you know, Qigong, yoga, all those, uh, Tai Chi, all those physically based um uh, traditions are lovely ways to really access the body in it as a whole um, structure or access your body's energies. But we also have everyday ways to do that that we forget we know. So that's where I go in the in the book is to really help people wake up to what they already know about the language of energy. And then I offer some energy medicine exercises that are are very accessible and easy to do. You don't have to you don't have to be able to wear <laughs> wear uh, a leotard and you don't have to be able you don't have to be in a studio to do it and you you know whatever. So and it's it's not to replace yoga or tai chi or qigong. It's to say we don't have to wait until we have time to go to a class to relearn our mother tongue. Because I really believe energy is our mother tongue. Mm -hmm. And, and so what are, are some of those ways, you know, what, um, you mentioned that, you know, as a baby, we just knew how intuitively to do it. Um, so what are some of those ways that you suggest? Okay. Well, first of all, we need to know that the language of energy isn't just words because we've been schooled to, to think and talk and express ourselves in words. It includes touch. It includes rhythm and sound. It includes light, image, movement, gesture, um, taste, scent, feelings, sensations, direct knowing, etc. So when you realize that the language is so multidimensional, the ways include any of those. You can make up a rhythm. For example, say your gut is all all bothering you. It really hurts and it's really bothering you. You can find a rhythm that you feel you need and tap it right on your gut. Just tap, tap. Maybe the rhythm of the earth when it's healthy. Tap, tap, tap. And you can tap it right onto your gut. Or you can um, use shapes. You can draw hearts over your heart. And that often just calms down emotional reactivity to things. In fact, 
let's try something together. And, you know, there are a million exercises people can do. I call them exercises. They're so simple. You can make up your own energy medicine. So start by drawing hearts around your face. Just draw hearts around your face. Two, three. So, and I touch my face so I can actually feel it. And then draw hearts around your heart, just on your physical heart. And then draw hearts, say, on your stomach or solar plexus which is often a center that has a lot to do with your identity in the world or your, you know, how you cope with things in the world. And you can then draw hearts over something that hurts. Go to a place where there's pain in your body. Draw hearts there. What you're doing is you're bringing the energy that you associate with hearts, and it tends to be a pretty universal energy of love and support. For some reason, that shape, which isn't the anatomical heart, does right, speak right. to people in the same way. You're communicating that energy to the different parts of your body and to the energies that live there and helping them organize themselves differently. So that's one example of a kind of exercise. And you can bring in visualization, imagination, too. Um, I usually include movement, some kind of touch, some kind of um, light or color or sound, you know, things that animate our sense of participation and um, intention and bring that to bear on the situation. Because this isn't like taking a pill. Like in, a, in our culture, right? I feel bad. I'm going to go to the, the cabinet. I'm going to take out a little bottle and I'm going to pop a pill. And I just trust it's going to change everything in there. I mean, talk about leap of faith. Why would we have that leap of faith? But we don't have the leap of faith. Right. I draw hearts on my heart and I and tap things where there's pain to get the energies moving, and I'd stretch and move in various ways, why don't I have the faith that that's going to shift the communications of the body as well? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and such, such a great point is, you know, people will turn to medication. And in some cases, we need medication. Don't get me oh, wrong. Like you said, they have this faith that I'm going to pop this one pill and it's going to resolve everything where right. perhaps changing your diet or, you know, changing a routine or sitting differently at your desk all day, right. like that could make the permanent change where that pill is only going to mask things, things. Right. Um, I know I have so many friends that are like that. They don't want to turn inward. Right. and. <laughs> And I don't know, like, is it, is it because scared to turn inward? Is it because they just truly have no concept? Like, um, they have no awareness, right? I, like, I like, don't think so. Like, I have more compassion. I feel that we were all fiercely socialized to always look outside ourselves for authority. And it, you know, I call it an outside in culture that, you know, if you want to know something, what's the first thing you do? You go Google it to see what someone else said, what someone else right. thinks, you know, what other opinions are. And what you what we tend not to do is tune inward to say, well, what is my truth and how can I access this knowing within myself? We just we have the equipment, but we haven't learned to activate it. And that's one thing I set out to do in the book, your body will show you the way, is to help people recognize what this equipment is and how they can activate their own inner knowing and inner wisdom. So I don't think it's 
that they don't want to. I think that they don't know how. Yeah. And so where they go is into their head, into that right answer machine in the head. And they say, do I know the answer? And the and all the voices of society say, no, no. How could you possibly know? You don't know. And then they go looking for someone who does know rather than looking through the whole body for the knowing and the wisdom that's resident or that we have access to through the body um, and getting our guidance at least partly there. I mean, I'm not opposed to external um, insight as well, but if we don't have our inner knowing, we're at the mercy of of whatever winds of opinion and group think and um, social pressure are swirling around us at any given time. Yeah. 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 Kind of, I talk all the time about how we've been taught to just kind of blindly trust our doctors. And the reality is a lot of of doctors, I mean, they can't know everything. No. And there's a lot of bad advice given. And, um, you know, if whatever your doctor's recommending isn't working, right. You know, you have to have to be back and be like, okay, you know, maybe it's not this or that maybe it's something else and right. and you to be able to listen to your body because because i say this all the time your body will tell you everything you need to know and that's that right. is that is the essence of yoga is taking that moment to listen to your body and turn inward and what is it trying to tell you because it's right. telling you right um, we've just kind of been taught to tune out the out the signal Right. And we, yeah, we miss the signals and we miss the meaning. We don't know how to interpret the meaning of the signals. And, and, you know, I think there are some traditions like yoga that teach it. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just another voice in that, in that group of, of folks saying, Hey, yeah, how do you meet the moment? And what are your tools for meeting the moment? And, you know, what can you come up with? And um, it's not only that doctors aren't aren't right, our, you know, don't know everything, but medicine itself has chopped life up into, you know, very physical versus, you know, they send you to a minister for spiritual and they send you to a a therapist for mental. They've chopped us into small pieces. And in fact, I once asked a doctor, you know, how much nutrition do you guys study in med school these days? It was, it was recent, you know, last 10 years. And she said about, about one to two hours. And I said, in this day and age, why haven't doctors figured out that there's fuel that we take in that food influences our health? And she said, oh, they don't want to step on the toes of the nutritionists. It's a different field. And that's our world. And so anyone you go to for expertise and advice is going to be looking be looking at the part of you that they've chopped, carved out as their expertise. Yeah. And it can be very helpful. <laughs> and it can also be very distorting because they don't know the what you're trying to create in terms of meaning, in terms of a life that is meaningful to you. And they don't know what you do from morning till night with your energies. And they don't know then what is what is moving and what isn't moving and what's working for you and not, because they don't know you as a whole. And if you don't, if I don't know me as a whole, then there's nobody in the room who knows no, me as a whole. Right. And I'm in trouble. And that's why, you know, and the other thing is that the medicine of, you know, of our culture right now is very based in the body's chemistry. And the body speaks chemistry and it speaks energy. There's there's two different languages. The chemistry follows the energy. So if you shift your energies, you can shift your chemistry. 
But if you do something chemically, you take a pill and it shifts your chemistry, it doesn't necessarily do anything for your energy. So unless we can learn to work with this amazing system that we're all like drenched in, that we all are steeped in, um, we're really at the mercy of very partial solutions and even wrong questions and wrong configurations or understandings of what's needed or what the issue is. Well, Ellen, this is such a great conversation. We could talk for days on this, (laughs) Um, but unfortunately we don't have days. Um, But I want to take a moment to make sure everyone knows how to to find you and your book, your body, your body, the way Um, your website is ellenmeredith.com. And as always, we have a clickable link in the show show notes. Um, But tell us a little bit about what what they can put in your website and, you know, if they want to work with you. Okay. Well, um, what's on my website? I've got a lot of stuff. It's kind of a massive one. I have a really fun do-it-yourself divination tool where you can do little readings for yourself, intuitive readings where you pose questions and choose a framework and then you get images to interpret for yourself in response to your question that I think is is a great way to practice listening to your own intuition. Um, I've got descriptions of all my books and and I have lots of courses available on DVD and um, several books out and and various things like that. It's an audio book. So you can read about that stuff. Um, I do teach courses on Shift Network and many of them are available in evergreen format. So you can look me up on Shift and find my work there. Um, I'm not doing an individual practice right now. That's on on hold for a while, but um, I have a lot of free materials on my website. If you sign my mailing list, you get a free ebook uh, all about um, inner guidance. So it's rather apropos of what we were talking about. Um, so that's a good way to get something free. And then I also have a YouTube channel. Um, and so you can Google Ellen Meredith. I, I think it's called Energy Wisdom with Ellen Meredith. Um, so you can go to my YouTube channel. Lots of freebies there, including an eight-part course on energy medicine um, to strengthen your protections from virus or to heal from a virus. If you happen to have had one and you're, you're, you're not getting over it. So um, anyway, there's lots of free stuff out there that I put out there for people. Wonderful. And again, that was Ellen was Ellen.com. And there's a clickable link wherever you are listening. Um, Ellen, thank you so much. This has been such a late conversation. Thank you, Amy. It's been really fun to talk to you. I was excited because I heard about your podcast. And I just think it's it's a oh. very uh, wonderful service you're bringing to the world. Thank you. I appreciate I appreciate And thank you, everyone, for listening. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Please consider leaving leaving a fire review wherever you are listening to help others on their own wellness journey discover this podcast. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider supporting it on my my pin. That's patreon.com.slash Amy Zellmer. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in the next episode.